Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to the Runners World podcast with me, Rick Pearson. And me, Ben Hobson. Today we're speaking with author Colin Renton about running and wine. <sighs> what a fantastic combo. Yeah, yeah. some of my favourite things actually, as it, as it happens. <laughs> two of them. <laughs> yeah. Two, two very much. You're actually a big fan of combining running and alcohol. You've, you've, you've established a few things. We're doing a, what is it, it's half pint half. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, the half pint half, which is, I mean, it's... Is it responsible? It's probably not responsible, but it's been good fun. It depends uh, how long you take. Yeah, you know, pick, a, pick a traffic-free route, is what I say. But yeah, it's it's thirteen half pints and thirteen miles. So that's um, just all be responsible adults there. Drink responsibly. That's you know that's the the, the, the real overarching message here. Yeah. But also, we're going to have a little chat about combining the consumption of alcohol and running in some capacity. Yes, a kind of and sort of DIY adventure. That you know, uh, it's, it's most that importantly, sort of just exploring the world. Hey, look, before we go into um, running wine, I've got some science for you, Ben. Is it about wine? It's actually not about wine. Oh, all right, fine. Oh, I like <laughs> it. I like non-wine-based science too. Yeah. That's fine. Carry on. This is, this is about um, the best warm-up to do before a 5K race, which for most people listening is probably going to be park run. So this is a new study. Okay. And looks is the best way to warm up before yeah. that distance. And one warm-up involved three times 250 metres at 70% of VO2 max speed. Well, what that really means is... Blimey. Three times 250 metres at about 10k pace. Yes. Um, and the other involved these 250 metre um, efforts, but at more like 2k pace, three of them. And it found that um, both warm-ups lasted for about eight to 10 minutes when you factored in a bit of rest. Um, and it was followed by a little transition period where you, you do a bit of kind of sort of standing still, thinking about what you're going to do, and then a little bit of hopping and, and, and skipping if you've got the time. Um, and it found that those who did the faster warm-up, so the warm-up that was more like 2K pace, 250 metres at 2K pace, they actually uh, had, um, they were six seconds faster over 5,000 metres. It doesn't sound like a lot, but there are, these were highly oh, fit athletes. So it actually made a kind of a, a significant difference. So one to try at your next park run for anyone listening. Yeah, I mean... That does sound really good. Essentially, do 250 metres of effort where you get your heart rate up. Yeah, three it's to essentially three times. Because like yeah, exactly. taking that test and extrapolating backwards to from like very fit people down to anyone who wants to do a 5K, Yeah, you're basically talking about 250 metres of faster than 5K effort. Exactly, exactly. Ben. And that will be what helps you reach that next goal. Yeah. So whatever your 5K pace is, just... A touch a bit faster than that for 250 meters, and that'll help you warm up effectively. Yeah, I think it's actually something you can apply to lots of races that are maybe say sub marathon in distance, and a lot of people don't do it, so they kind of 
they do a bit of jogging and then it's like oh you're, you're gonna yeah. do a 10k and it's and in the first kilometers this massive like shocker to your system you're like oh it feels really no. difficult agreed you have to do that little basically do some 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 not sprints that's dramatic but you want to sort really stride, like feel, isn't it? Yeah. feel some strides get some effort, real effort into the body because it's very short lived so you just want to it's basically just sort of you're tricking yourself into thinking that you know you've you, you've warmed up the engine a bit and then you're uh, yeah so that first K as you say when you're especially if you're going all out for a, for a PB yeah yeah, you, you you're not going in cold, which is never great. Yeah, I've done it a few times. And it's, and it, yeah, it makes it so much harder if you're just going in. It's like it's almost like you know, if you're getting in cold water and you didn't dip your foot in at all, you just kind of just jump straight the in. Shock, and you're like, I'm naturally. And it's, it's a shock, and you kind of want to give up. So I think yeah, a bit more of that is a uh, is good. I've actually oh. been back to the track, Ben. So this is, I've been I've been practicing what I preach. Back to the track. This is, what a revelation! And this is all in this is all in because of your 10-mile challenge that you've set yourself. Well, yeah, it's, it's that, that's in the background. I've had to um, test a few spikes for Runner's oh, World. So, of course. So, hey, look, guys, um, forget forget about personal endeavour and, you know, <laughs> what comes first for me and Rick is, is high-quality internet-based content. So he's been reviewing some spikes. So, yeah. But that's just helped you along, has it? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I've been lucky enough to test some, some of, like, the, the sort of top spikes, which I guess are kind of super spikes, but... Regardless of that, like just being back in a pair of spikes on the track is quite, it's quite a thrill. It's quite a thrill mm. to be back running quickly. I'm, I'm not setting the track alight in any way, but um, I just think a, a little bit of injection of, of speed once a week, that is, it feels extremely different to like, to your other runs. Do you know what I mean? Where yeah, it's actually yeah. about like, yeah, you're, you're firing up different energy systems and it makes me feel better about the kind of runner I am generally, just having that, having that as part of the weekly routine i think how much difference did it remind like, like were you remind was it a stark reminder in the difference that a pair of spikes makes or were you actually just like mm. yeah these are different and better but not like that much the, the biggest difference is is obviously the because the spikes are all in the forefoot and you really you haven't it has you haven't really got a heel that yeah obviously naturally you'll be more kind of mid or forefoot when you're when you're working at interval pace anyway but you really have to do that like they, they, they don't they're not forgiving in terms of like mm. um heel strike the calf muscles yeah so the, yeah so i've been i've been easing in i've been doing like you know like four or five reps as opposed to maybe eight or nine because i was like realistically i haven't done this in a while so it's mm. gonna be super easy to come down like enthusiastic dad and then like you know <laughs> oh, i didn't run for two months after that kind of thing yeah, 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 but you know, and I, I think it does something to your into your head, mate. Maybe, maybe you feel the same way about. I always think if you get a vest and shorts on when you do, go to a race, oh, yeah. you feel fast. And I think spikes are like the next level of that, where you're like, I feel like an, I feel a bit like an athlete, you know. Yeah. Which is but you've got, you've got, yeah. I mean, you've got spikes on your feet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, exactly. that's that's gripping the ground. I'm going to be absolutely flying along. That's like that's yeah. you sort of almost like a twelve year old. If I think about how like yeah how like you know child child's children would like sort of well i've got spikes on my shoes i'm essentially a robot this is the best thing that's ever happened yeah, like, yeah. that's how i still kind of half think about it no i think that's right i, I do think that again like general tip to people is like you can dress to feel fast right and what, whatever fast means to people is is fine but like i think yeah if you're comfortable wearing a vest when it comes to a race and unlike weather permitting i, I really, yeah i think you know like racing shorts a vest and some, mm. and the shoes that make you feel quick, you know, and maybe that are nice and light, maybe. Um, 
or maybe leopard talking. print rick oh, well yeah that's what one of these spikes is actually it's actually called the um endorphin cheetah it's by Socony. which i feel like cheetah is a little bit of an unfortunate name for a pair of black <laughs> spikes isn't it? sort yeah. of casting aspersions on the wearer yeah, yeah straight away oh no someone well, yeah, didn't think yeah, about they, that. they are they're out there but i feel like maybe with spikes because you know what i'm like that you're you're much more of a natty dresser than i am anyway but i don't i'd never buy a pair of running shoes that are like that are pink or 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 like really gaudy because i just i just feel like that's just not that's just not who i am as a person i just feel a bit like, mm. self-conscious of that stuff yeah yeah but with spikes it seems to operate in a sort of different world a bit like you know like the way sort of supercars are always like yellow or pink or red or whatever. Uh, yeah, that's true. You know what I mean? It's sort of yeah, yeah, hundred percent. It's different rules as spikes. Yeah, this, it's almost like the the showpiece, and they have to be as sort yeah. of like yeah, you get bright pink or or just yeah. There's always some hot colours or prints or like sort of things, and yeah. then yeah, I mean it does try. Yeah, it doesn't really cross over into shoes as well. You've obviously super shoes have got like neon. Lots of bright sort of fluoro colours have always been associated with um, super shoes. But you're right, track spikes are always that little step above in terms of like anything goes. Just, yeah, a little bit of pop, you know. Because if of... you had a pair of leopard print, like, you know, so was it Socony Endorphin Cheetahs? So if you did yeah. Socony Endorphin Elites, like their top end marathon yes. shoe, yeah. like, yeah. and they were leopard print. Would you feel the same about them? No, no, I wouldn't. Be. And I think like some of that's a practical level of like, I'd be I'd be running around the streets that I live in in a pair of like cheetah print. And <laughs> yeah, true. Um, some people are comfortable doing that, and I, I take my hat off to them because I think they're probably more more confident and secure than I am. But I just feel a bit like I just can't. I just I'm just not the the cheetah leopard print man um, <laughs> when it comes to shoe choice. Uh, but with the spikes, obviously, yeah, you're you're in you're you know you're in a kind of sort of relatively safe confined space aren't you on a track but, but I think it is That's more true. than that I think there is something about like I think I know, if you're turning up to a track spikes on, yeah. I think if you're turning up to a track with spikes you've already gone past the the yes. the, 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 yes. the level of, of of shoes being an issue you yeah. know what I mean like if yeah, yeah. most people going to the track won't be wearing spikes they'll probably or well, they might be wearing a longer distance spike perhaps but they'll probably just have like a you know a, a, a decent thin a performance race yeah, issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you absolutely do not need to wear in spikes to run intervals on a track. Um, but some right. people might find it gives them the little, uh, yeah, like a little mental push to. to oh yeah, to, for sure. Running, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've got some coming my way. I can't wait to go out there and do oh, that. Well, so. yeah, take a picture. Let us know. Um, <laughs> uh, any what was what's, what's going with the running then? Are you still following the slow intervals method, Ben? No, I. Uh, well, yes. It's not, because I said no straight away, and it's that makes it sound like it was uh, an experiment that I'm happy to ditch, when in fact it's not. It's going to be my go-to um, return. But I um, I just sort of felt mildly uninspired um, after the sort of couple of half marathons that I had booked in and done, and the first one went well, and the second one was much harder, and, and didn't, it sort of coincided with a period of being incredibly tired, and, and didn't like, okay, didn't yeah. didn't fill me with great great amounts of joy, and I mean, you know, we talk about the joy of running, and how it should be sort of like the the the, the bedrock of most r- yeah. people's running, and it, it kind of was the race kind of the angling everything towards training for races was beginning to suck a bit of the joy out, so I stopped. 
and just carried on just doing nice running and that's all I've been doing I haven't really got anything else planned just you know getting out there and enjoying different routes finding different bits to run around um and that's about it but I I do still have like things I want to try and get yeah better at but there's just not a race at the end of it to yeah, sort of enough, I think, yeah, to sort of validate it, it. Isn't it if it's just re- relentless race after relentless race i think some people can do that and i think that's amazing but yeah I, i'm, I'm always in you know. awe of that because it, it, it i sort of crave the structure that that brings but not the i don't know not the sort of you feel a bit prescribed to when, yeah know. yeah exactly i think that's probably it yeah i like i like having some i like, I like having something to aim towards but it doesn't have to be a race it might just be maybe I'll get these spikes and I'll suddenly decide that I want to run my fastest 800 metres ever. Yeah. And I'll just yeah, go and yeah, spend yeah, right. spend yeah. a few months just working towards that and see what I can do. But yeah, we'll see what happens. Well, it'd be interesting from listeners to know what their what their goals are in the short to medium term this year. Let, let yeah. us know if you've got some interesting running goals coming up. Always great to hear from people. It's a podcast at runnersworld.co.uk. All right, I think we should speak to our guest of the week. Let's do it. Three cheers to him. Nice. Guest of the week. Here in the studio. Guest of the week. Sometimes on the phone. Could be an athlete. Could be a physio or a complete unknown. Colin, thanks, thanks very much. Anyway, we'll, we'll do a quick intro and go into, go into the questions if that, if that works for you. Um, yeah, brilliant. Okay. Uh, all right. It's a tough job, but someone's got to do it. And that man is Colin Renton, who devoted a year to running and wine. The resultant book, The Wine Runner, chronicles a year of hard yards and vineyards. And he's here to tell us more about what he discovered along the way. So, Colin, welcome to the Runners World podcast. Thank you for having me. It's nice to be here. So can we start with, I mean, it doesn't sound like a book that would require much motivation it's the sort of book that i think ben and i would like to write but in terms of yourself why did you want to write the the wine runner um well i was approaching my 60th birthday and i had a a list of unfulfilled ambitions um one of which was to run a marathon that's been kind of teasing me now for the best part of 40 years and i knew that uh, it was kind of now or Mm. never sort of thing um uh, I was my my job was as a, a corporate writer, so I was working in the corporate world, and I'd always had an ambition to write a book. Um, I had a, an interest in wine, and I was keen to to learn a little bit more about it. And uh, with COVID, it kind of that focused focused the attention a little bit more. Uh, and as the world opened up a little bit uh, after the pandemic, it was a chance to to travel to some interesting places. Uh, so this was an opportunity to combine all four of those things, really. Um, and the the 60th birthday was the the real catalyst to uh, to doing the the marathon part, especially. What was the where? What was the sort of like the Venn diagram of wine and running for you? Where did what was the middle meeting point where you was it after a run you'd like a glass of wine, or was it that the wine you'd like to go places where there was nice wine and run there? How did the sort of two worlds collide? The, the the thing that kind of sparked it all was um, the, board, the the Marathon du Médoc in Bordeaux, where you actually run and drink wine at the same time, um, and uh, that was so. It was when I started to research that that I found another couple of. I found one in Moldova, which actually is an underground 10k that goes through wine wow. cellars, 
And then I found a half marathon in Germany that goes along the side of the Rhine, which is kind of winemaking country. And then I thought, ah, oh, there's actually there's more of this than uh, than I realised. So I, when I started to to do a bit more research, I realised that there was actually quite a lot in in various places. So it, that was when it kind of struck me that um, if I could find twelve different countries where they do runs that are either wine runs or what in some somehow associated with wine then i could put together this this kind of 12 month schedule somewhere in a, just in a place that's renowned as a winemaking area so i kind of did the run and then found a place to go and do a, a wine tasting in others it was because it was a big wine area prosecco for example in in italy where i thought yeah you've got to kind of go there is there a run that you can do and as it happens there is there's a thing called the prosecco run that uh, was, uh, it was a perfect fit. My only real requirements were it had to be a run and a place where you could do some, some wine tasting. Um, and if you could do the two together, well, hey ho. Oh, that <laughs> yeah, that's a bonus. Yeah. You, you, so you didn't do any um, any kind of Marathon de Medoc wine on the run, or did you did you experiment with that? And what was that like, if so? Yeah, the, the first the first one I did actually was a it was a half marathon distance in Switzerland, um, and it was a it was quite a. The, the running part of it was quite low key, so I, I turned up at the start, and people were turning up in their hiking gear, um, so they were obviously out for a walk rather than for yeah. a run. Um, and it was so it was twenty two k, and every five k you came to a feeding station, but the feeding station was literally a feeding station, <laughs> so you actually sat down, and you had some food and two glasses of wine. Um, so by the by the time we got to the end of the half marathon, we'd drunk, we'd eaten four plates of food and drunk eight glasses of wine. This is incredible. What, what, what's it called? Tell, tell us the name of this race, please. It's called the the, the marathon. Uh, it's um, du Saveur, S A V E U R. It's in a place called Sion um, in in Switzerland, and it goes up into the hills. I mean, it, there, there were bits of it that were quite tough, but uh, obviously. Uh, you became less aware of that as, as the thing progressed, and then there were others. Um, the one in, in Italy, where it was a, it's it quite a tough. It was about eleven k. It was quite a tough run. It was really quite muddy. At one point, we were running down this hill, and there was a big, uh, just a heap of bodies at the bottom of the hill. Uh, people just gathering, and I thought someone had fallen or something. And it turned out they were actually all just standing there drinking Prosecco. There was a guy, there was a Prosecco producer at the bottom of the hill handing out glasses of, of wine. Did you find, uh, have you sort of managed to whittle it down to sort of the best wine to have when running? I mean, Prosecco doesn't sound, anything with fizz, I think, got, has got to be ruled out like straight away. <laughs> no, uh, there's, I mean, there's no sort of, be- it's just like saying what's the best wine really is. It's up to an individual, I suppose. But um, yeah, I, I I discovered some excellent wines that I wouldn't have known about. Uh, so, you know, Hungarian wine and Belgian wine and Slovenian wine, which y- you can't find in, in your local wine shop. Um, so I discovered some of that, that, that kind of thing where you think, yeah, there is a whole, there's a whole world out there that, uh, that wine drinkers in the UK are, are not really aware of. Were you aware of um, the kind of long history of alcohol and, and endurance exercise i think it was victorians who kind of looked at it as you know you'd have a glass of wine doing a marathon would be quite a standard procedure yeah i mean when i was i was doing some research ahead of the 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 project um i realized that that was the it was the kind of um 
it was the performance enhancing substance of its day i think yeah, that um, yeah. you know people used to do that the 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 history behind wine running was that uh, um or the, at least the the story goes that the history behind it is that it started in france and it was um vineyard owners encouraged their staff to get fit for the the harvest right. um so they ran round the, the vineyards and obviously the at that time at that time i think people just drank wine with all of their meals in france so you ran around the vineyard and then stopped for your lunch and drank a bottle of wine um and i think that was kind of the the history behind the the whole thing and it's kind of grown a bit um so there's a there's almost like a, a hidden world out there of, of yeah. wine running um as i say some of some of it is just happens to take place in areas where people make wine um, others, um, it, it forms part of the the run itself. We um we had a a, a team day out that involved uh, uh, some running and wine tasting, which was uh, which was lovely. We were down on the on the on the north down. Where were we, Rick? North down, south. Yeah, it was Denbys, it was Denbys on the north, north downs. Down. So I was going. It's interesting because obviously England England is now a, a kind of wine like le- legitimate wine making nation. Did did that play a, a part in your travels? Did you think no? It's yeah, like Denbys in fact was. Um, um, what, what I did was I, I tried to find one run per month and on those months when there was nothing actually on the formal calendar that I could find I actually used park runs to slot in because it's, it's a good way to kind of fill a blank in the, the calendar and one of the park runs is at Denby's it actually runs through the vines um, so I, I did that so I, I went down there on it was... Um, I did. A, I actually probably did it the wrong way round, and I did the tasting on the Friday and the run on the Saturday. <laughs> um, but uh, really interesting tasting. And then, but the week before I did it, I think the Surrey Cross Country Championships had been oh, okay, yeah, run yeah, down, down there. there yeah. yeah, and the place had been dug up. the The course itself was really, really muddy, and. Um, it was quite soft underfoot that that morning. So I actually found the, the going quite tough, but I'm not sure how much of that was down to the, the conditions and how much was down to the fact <laughs> that I'd done tasting the day before. This is the Runner's World Podcast. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? 
United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. You give me an idea for new, but I think you call it park rum. And we could just be going around sort of tasting rum at various parts. Maybe that's Yeah, there's an idea. Yeah. <laughs> do, do you find there's a real um, connection between the sort of geography and landscape that is good for wine and landscape that becomes good for running? I, I think a good example of that is probably in Spain, where um, I did a half marathon in Jerez, which is the, the kind of big sherry country. And um, there is a, there's a, a special kind of clay. Mm. That, uh, that they have a they have a name for the clay that uh, they grow their their vines in, um, and around Hereth, most of the vines are on the hills, but just kind of looking down into the into the town. So, just by default, it becomes quite a tough course yeah. because it's going to be hilly, and it happened to have been a rare few days of quite heavy rain. So it was really it was quite tough going as well. Um, I guess that if it'd been, if you'd been doing it on the back of maybe a couple of weeks of really dry conditions, it would have been a completely different thing. Mm. Um, and if you ran at a different time of day, I guess you'd got the sun on your back instead of um, it being slightly overcast. Um, and yeah, you're you're right. Obviously, um, the the fact that most or or many vines are grown so that they catch the sun. If you're actually running through the vines, the likelihood is it's going to be quite tough to to run through. Yeah, for sure. Because uh, it's likely to be quite hilly. I'm interested in, in this idea of a kind of DIY adventure, and particularly one where you know, like you say, you're, you're approaching your 60th birthday, so it's like you're not a kind of like you're not a youthful runner anymore. I don't, <laughs> I don't mean all that to sound offensive, but like, uh, but I, I love the idea that you can that you can come up with this stuff um, slightly later in life and and just and have a go at it but in, in terms of like your own experience of that like what was that like to discover have you done anything like this before no um i mean i've, I've organized trips and holidays and and things but nothing on this scale and it was it was kind of um initially as i said it was you know i had one marathon in mind um and it was only when I started to look at that that I realised that all of these other things were going on and there was a whole world out there that I didn't know about. I kind of knew there would be problems as well that, you know, as we were coming out of COVID, so there was always a chance that a country would mm. lock down again and um, or that I would be injured or ill or races were, would be cancelled, as was the case. So all of these things happened at, at, at various points. Um and I didn't want to deviate from this idea of having 12 different countries. Um, so that that kind of meant that I needed to have more than 12 options um, so that I had something to, to slot in if, uh, if any of these things happened. I hadn't done anything like, as I say, on that scale before. I find a real, there's a real, uh, wines that I now will go to in the shop that I really enjoy, I always have an association with an area that I've enjoyed running around so like being on holiday or um particularly i now really enjoy um like primitivo because i've been to Puglia a few times and, and i've and i've run around there and and you sort of get a taste for the region that you've been in and you you know and you sort of and that's all of a sudden that 
there's a real close association with i guess the taste of a holiday and then an experience yeah. and how yeah. you, and then you bring that back yeah. with you do you still have that now can you mm -hmm. do you sort of that association of taste and region and, and running experience yeah i mean i think that um yeah i think once once i've done what i did that's always going to be the case that if um if i go out for a meal with my wife or something and we say right well let's have a look at the austrian wines yeah. and see if uh, if any of these are the ones that i had when i you know when i was i, I did a, the marathon in austria or something maybe slightly obscure that a hungarian wine or something um which i probably wouldn't have looked at yeah. before um it's probably something, oh, yeah, that's made from the same grapes as the one that uh, I brought back. So, I mean, it, the, the, at the end of the the year, I, ha I was left with a case of wine. So I li literally did have to my 12 bottles of wine. Oh, great. Uh, one, one from each of the uh, of the trips that I had, which I actually have to say I still have. I haven't actually drunk well, them yet, good. but uh, I've got to find a suitable occasion to... Uh, to, to do so do you do you, do you have, have a favorite a favorite wine experience from the 12 if you had to say which which was the best yeah i mean it maybe wasn't necessarily the best wine but the the, the biggest eye-opener was belgium which i just didn't have down as a winemaking country at all um and uh i was doing a run in a it was it was a i think it was descent de la laisse which is a kind of it's a kind of trail run um, and there are two, there's a kind of half marathon distance and a 12k and I did the, the shorter of the two. And it was in this town um, and there was a, a woman winemaker who had only just started making wine uh, about sort of less than 10 years ago. She was a, a Dutch woman who had moved to this area to basically ease back from her, she had a busy life, um, to take a step back bought a house and there was a field in front of it and she was worried that someone would buy the field and build something so she thought what am i going to do here so she planted some vines um and over the years she um she started to make wine which is now served in michelin starred restaurants across belgium wow. Wow. and um uh, I, I, I traveled on that a lot of them i, I traveled on my own but on that particular occasion I, I went with one of my mates to and we were doing doing the run and uh, so we we'd arranged to go for a, uh, to, to meet this woman and we she was just she was a phenomenal she was just a force of nature and uh, we were in there for about three hours and she kept going try this one try this one <laughs> and uh, she kept producing other other bottles of wine um and in the end uh, the, i came away thinking how come we've never heard of Belgian wine before? Right. Uh, it, was, uh, it was quite. A, it, was a, a, it was a really interesting uh, experience. I think that would be the biggest thing is that it would it would help you step away from again in the comfort zones of the comfort zones of where you run and also the comfort zones of just sitting walking that aisle in the supermarket and going, I know that France, Italy, and Australia make these wines, and I'm just going to have those, and that's it. And actually, you sort of, as with all these things, it's it's good to um, it's good to explore and to have a bit of more variety. Yeah, I mean the the Hungarian one was interesting. Um, the the actual run uh, that was a kind of one where I kind of pieced it together myself. Um, the run itself was it was in Budapest and it was a night run hmm. where the runners wear head torches, um, and it's uh, it was through, it was through the, the streets of the city. Um, started at ten p.m. so it was slightly cooler. Um, and you, 
you, you ran across, you know, when you, when you finished the run, somebody sort of thrust this bottle of wine into your hand, and you think, this is the last thing I want right now. Yeah. But, um, I then I, I did a, a separate tasting, and um, it was a guy who had, he'd worked as a sommelier in America, and come, he was a Hungarian guy, come back, and he worked with lots of small Hungarian winemakers. And the... Uh, the the interesting part of it was that when Hungary was under communist rule, the the winemakers were encouraged to produce volume rather than quality, so they were mm. producing tons of really poor wine. And since the the demise of communism, uh, they have kind of worked to improve the quality, and there's now lots of second generation winemakers so it's people who are in their sort of 30s and 40s that are producing really high quality wine and it's on it's on a, a quite a sharp upward trajectory so it's probably something that yeah. we'll we'll hear a bit more about but some of the stories behind the <laughs> I wasn't entirely sold on the the um, the the way that some of these wine oligarchs had uh, acquired <laughs> their uh, their vineyards over the, yeah. <laughs> during the the, the the recent past yeah, I did the um, Budapest Marathon actually. Uh, it's my fir- that's my first marathon, and it's hard to beat. It's incredible. It's a beautiful city. It's very flat as well, yeah. and um, yeah, yeah I'd, I'd I'd happily go back, but it's sort of off the radar still, which is interesting. Yeah. If people want to find out a bit more about the Wine Runner, um, it's out now, isn't it? So, but w- where's the best place people could go and pick up a copy if they if they like what they've heard? It's available in Waterstones, Toppings, other small bookshops and it's um on amazon as well um it's called the wine runner my year of hard yards and vineyards that's yeah um, that's great i think a lot of listeners are gonna they'll find a lot to enjoy in that book and i think even just discovering which uh, which ratios you did is a uh, is reason enough to, uh, to go and get a copy yeah well i've listed them um, at the back of the book there is a list of each of the races and the websites for for those races and I've also added a wine list, which is oh, uh, the, the twelve bottles excellent. that I have in my in my case. Well, Colin, thanks so much for your time. Thanks for coming on to the Running Club podcast, Thank giving you. us an insight it's into um, running and wine. We're off to go and buy a bottle of the Hungarian stuff, and I think Ben yeah. like the sound of the Belgian. So, <laughs> <laughs> good stuff. Great, so that brings us to the end of this week's Runners World podcast. A huge thanks to our guest Colin Renton and to you, of course, for listening. You can subscribe to three issues of Runners World for just £5. Head to runnersworld.com slash UK slash podcast offer to get this exclusive listener offer. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Please subscribe if you haven't already. You can find it in all the usual places. Just search Runners World UK. Um, just share it with your friends. Make sure there's listening. Go through the back catalogue. Loads of really excellent episodes like we've done 230 now so there's bound to be some that you've missed so you should have a quick look through those um you know and you'll hear from again you'll hear from us again next week imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time that's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well. 
HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.